0: There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. I'm Matthew Howes-Barbie and today I'm speaking with the incredible Tommy D. Tommy Danvers, a.k.a. Tommy D, has had a wildly successful career in the music industry. He's a multi-platinum, award-winning music producer. He's a songwriter and a DJ. On top of all of this, he's the creator of a whiskey brand, 808 Whiskey, some of you may have heard of it, as well as Token Tracks. And they're a company that are leading the way, really, in Web3 adoption within the music space. This is what we discussed in a fascinating interview, where Tommy kind of shares his experience of the industry's inner workings and how Web three technology will play a role in its future. Uh, for some of our more uh, uh, longer term listeners, you may remember way back, I think in twenty eighteen, we we interviewed Benji Rogers, who was doing something uh, at the time, I think, on dot blockchain, where he was looking to. Really think about the tokenization of music, and this is now a, a, a much greater evolution of that early concept. And starting to see how this can all kind of come to life. So while while there's clearly still a long way to go until we see like mainstream adoption, Tommy's Tommy's explanation on how Web three and and more specifically NFTs are going to change the way that Fans form relationships with their favorite artists and become even greater advocates of them. What kind of Tommy describes as like this partnership between artists, the creators and uh, fans. It w- it was honestly a- an eye opener for me in a great way that I thought a bit of a fresh take on how music and blockchain is going to both exist within the current confines of what is an incredibly monopolistic industry, but then start to carve out its own areas of growth and utility and value, both for consumers as well as creators in the short term and then where that can go in the future. So if you're interested to hear what the next phase of evolution within music might look like, stay tuned for the full interview Coming up next. Tommy, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Thanks for joining us here. Um, we, I'm, I'm really excited to not be talking about the FTX uh, collapse, to be honest. So this is a really, <laughs> this is a great, a great respite today. I'm really excited to kind of talk about everything you've been building and the this kind of I I feel like it's really under the radar still right now, even after the NFT boom. But this co- kind of collision of music and the music industry with the the Web three space. So, wh- why don't we just kind of kick things off with explaining to everyone listening a bit about your journey personally into to Web three, and in particular, what led you to go on to found uh, Token Tracks.
0: Uh, thanks, Matt, and and thank you so much for inviting me on. It's it's a great great privilege to. To come and speak to you. Um, my background actually is music, um, not so much tech. Um, although, of course, one has a, a high degree of tech when you're in studios and stuff. So I'm a music producer and a songwriter. I'm also an artist signed to Capitol Records, uh, or Capital Music, I suppose is we should call them now. Um, mm-hmm. and uh yeah, and I and I'm a DJ as well, and I'm also a whiskey maker. I have a whiskey brand called 808, which is um, actually a whiskey design for supporting music uh, through, through nightclubs and festivals. And I think that kind of concept of support is something that I've realized over the years I, has been really prevalent in what I do and who I am. Um, I think from a very early age, like all of us, I... I got intrigued by music you know I think we all find something. I always say to people look you're brilliant at one thing just try and work out through experiences in life what that one thing is and then just keep really focusing in on it and keep you know everything you do sort of revolves around that and I think one of the things that I'm I realized over time that I'm good at is is supporting artists and and being an artist myself you know I kind of end up knowing what that feels like to be a creative person to live every day on the basis of your intellectual property you know basis of what comes out of your brain sometimes I go into a studio or whatever I go into a writing session and I'm sitting there thinking trying to you know think of a rhyme for kettle or something like that and I'm like (laughs) I, I can't believe that this concept has built my life you know it's put a roof over my head several roofs over my head and clothes on my kids back and and food on the table and, and just this thinking, you know, this concept that your thoughts, your creativity are something that have value is just so fascinating to me. And I think over time, I've always been fascinated with hanging out with similar types of people who, have, who are that way inclined as well. And we come together and we make music and, you know, this concept of going into a studio with nothing and coming out with a piece of music is just insane. It's absolutely insane. And when that music then travels and goes off out there and, you know, becomes, you know, goes and everybody starts appreciating it. And if you're super lucky, it goes up to the top of the charts and all that business, you know, and everybody knows it. I mean, it's just phenomenal. I remember when I had my first hit in America, my first number one in America. And as I was flying in to New York after that first hit, I looked down on all the houses, you know, as we're flying into like JFK. And I looked down to all the houses and I thought, that's so cool that everybody in of those houses knows something that I've created in my bedroom, which is what it was. You know, it's just a really, really bizarre thought. So this concept of support has always been there. You know, I I started out as a DJ, I got into music production from DJing um, and got into songwriting from music production. And uh, yeah, the first that first hit I ever had was a track called "I'm Too Sexy" by Right Said Fred, which I'm, I'm sure you know. And it was a number one all over the world, and became this phenomenon. It became this phenomenon that is still alive today. And um, that was the track that I made in my bedroom, and that kind of uh, catapulted me into this world of being a, a music producer. And, and I worked with loads of different artists, and as a songwriter and an arranger. Um, I've ended up working with people like Kanye West and Jay Z and Beyonce and uh, Kylie Minogue and Noel Gallagher. Uh, just just, a, just a few, Grenham. just a few small names there. Just a I guess. few yeah. little non-entities <laughs> that you've never heard of before. No, they're they're struggling artists. No, they're all be- they're all beautiful people in their own right. And 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 like I say, they're all really really interesting people. And so as a, as, a, as a as an artist, you know, I've been a very I've been a struggling artist, a struggling songwriter, and the interesting thing about doing music is is that unless you're super super lucky you 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 don't always stay on top you might be flavor of the month for a bit and then you go down a bit and you you don't you know it just doesn't hit because creativity isn't like it's not automatic just because you work on something doesn't mean it's gonna be successful you know and so you know, Quincy Jones has worked on many dud albums, you know, Mark Ronson's worked on many dud albums, you know, it doesn't really matter. And so over time, what happens is you get, you get to understand that this kind of concept of hustling and trying to get your, but your music to the forefront of people's attention, it's always there. And I think all of this kind of led me to where I am today and You know, I got into blockchain technology. Well, I first discovered Bitcoin back in 2012. Um, As most people do in 2012, it's doing sort of suspicious uh, activity, which (laughs) we don't need to go into. Um, But I didn't understand it. I, I, You know, I think like a lot of people back then, we were all thinking this was a physical thing, you know. And because back in 2012, 10 years ago, you know, the concept of digital assets as a thing was not really that you know it wasn't I mean, it was there and it's very much in its infancy but it wasn't a, it wasn't as kind of prevalent as it is now and so this concept of having a digital currency i think was was really really fascinating and really i got myself into it a lot more in 2016 which is when i was looking to try and tokenize whiskey because i had my whiskey company 808 and i was looking for a way to to work on the concept of tokenization around this to create a membership scheme And I met a bunch of really interesting people at that time when I was looking to do it. And everybody I met was like a kind of bonkers, kind of like anarchic, but very sort of focused and very kind of methodical person, you know? And I was like, this space is full of people like me. You know, I'm a bit anarchic. I'm a bit anti-establishment, but I'm also really hardworking and I'm also really, really focused on, on, on all kinds of stuff. And I think at the heart, of it is this feeling of like yes i want to make my own life better but actually i just like to make the world a better place and that's still all the all the belief i got from the people i met back in 2016. i think you know in 2016 there was a big hype around like we had last year there was a big hype around uh, crypto so yeah. that's when I first really got into it and I started buying tokens and you know I bought into Ethereum and and stuff like that and and Bitcoin early, and then and and then it all crashed and so I bought more because it just seemed like wow it's so much cheaper now I'll buy it all more <laughs> so it, and 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 sat on it and then really didn't really think too much about it because everybody at the time was like this is this technology is going to revolutionize the music business and i I, I've you know, I've been signed to majors as, as an artist, and I've been signed to majors as a songwriter. I've worked all my life for the major labels. The major labels are Warner Brothers, Universal, and Sony now, of course, EMI, before they got bought by, by Universal mm. and Warners. And they have a vice-like grip over the industry, um, and their vice-like grip extends then now to the way that music is assimilated through DSPs like Spotify and, and Apple Music and so forth and so there's actually now a very a lot of control in the hands of very few people um, and we'll come onto that later but i knew that there that that system as i call it system number 1 wasn't going to change anytime soon and so a lot of these people that were running around saying blockchain's going to kill everything blah, 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 i couldn't see how blockchain as a as a as a technology as such was going to work given fitting into the control that the current system number 1 has and then came NFTs in 2019. And that was when the penny dropped for me because what NFTs offered was the opportunity for individuals to create unique digital assets around everything they do. So within music, you know, that could be a beat, that could be a baseline, it could be a melody, it could be a lyric, it could be a song, it could be a, a gig over another gig, it could be a t-shirt over another t-shirt, you know, a meet and greet. It could be all kinds of things that I know are already there within music and also what i liked about it was the concept of taking this tokenized membership scheme which i'd had back in 2016 with my whiskey and using this as a membership a way of ensuring that verifying that membership and so that's when everything went crazy for me and in 2019 i went right this is really cool and i started formulating ideas uh and then when covid hit in 2020 I went, why, this is this we need to do something like now because when COVID hit, I don't think anybody in the music industry, you know, we were all knew that this was the the death knoll for so much of the music industry because the whole point about playing music and creating music is you play it live. And of yeah. course the one thing COVID did was shut down the live community and you know, people couldn't be close together. So I just turbocharged my thinking, rang back a lot of these other people, these friends of mine, crypto friends of mine, and said, Look, God, we need to do something around blockchain and and, crypt- and music. I've got ideas, let's do something. And so Token Tracks was started. And Token Tracks started kind of late twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, and you know, so first of all, you you've got a fascinating story tommy i think in your own right outside of web3 you're in, in enormously successful um so yeah it's absolutely a privilege to be able to speak to someone that's had such a a career and it's, it's great to hear the story of then how your experience being so entrenched in in this industry that i agree with you many many people for quite a while now have been saying that you know blockchain is going to revolutionize the music space and i remember we we had um Some called Benji Rogers uh, on the podcast in back in 2018, and I think we were talking about the similar thing. And this was prior to a lot of the big NFT boom. And you know, it's been very challenging. And I, I look at the the space and the, like you say, the vice like grip that these major labels institutions. I think I saw even. Uh, a few days ago warner's profits kind of skyrocketing through their new licensing revenue they're getting from social through TikTok and stuff again like 250 million a year from licensing on that those kind of platforms as well now so it it feels like this has always been a space inside web3 that i've personally been very fascinated by but the odds have always kind of been against it and then you start to see this kind of craze happen where NFTs start to become popularized into somewhat of the mainstream and seeing lots of platforms, token tracks obviously being one of them kind of coming out of all of this. So I want to dig into token tracks in in particular, but what I wanted to do is just take one step back because I think many of our listeners, they're probably not necessarily familiar with kind of the the tokenization of music. And I, I wonder if you can kind of give an overview, maybe a a brief summary of how it all typically works. Because I've seen lots of different platforms that have appeared and they all seem to be taking slightly different approaches, whether that's like the tokenization of royalties, others leaning in more into like IP rights and things like this. So as someone who's more of an expert in the space, I wonder if you could uh, enlighten myself and and the listeners on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it's so it's a really interesting question. Um, Because I think just to touch on one of the points you said earlier, you know, uh, about revolutionizing this and revolutionizing that. I think revolutions in tech don't happen overnight. They are very slowly, you know, if if you think about, I remember being in, in, so I uh, let me start again. So I was in the Brits in 1997. I was nominated for Best Producer and I was there, you know, I didn't win, but there you go. Win, some you win, some you lose. Um, nomination's
1: pretty good in itself. nomination
0: was nice in itself. And, and so, yeah, and I, I said, I was standing with all the heads of the major labels, and I said to them at the time, uh, we, we were chatting about music and the, where the market was and everything, and, and this was when it was, you know, the 90s were a huge boom for the music industry because CD sales were going crazy. You know, it was a lot of money in the industry. It was a lot of investment in artists and music. But at the same time, and like to your point about majors making money now, um, everybody, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of money being made by the majors then, hmm.
1: um,
0: and I said to all the heads, "What do you think about Napster? You know, because Napster was in the, in the headlines at the time, and there was court cases coming. I think, I think." Um, you know, what was it? The the metal band. I can't remember. Uh, Metallica. Metallica. Thank you. We had a brain fart there. Metallica had took them to court, taken them to court and stuff. And they were all like, all the heads were like, no, 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 forget it. It's all going to, it's all you know, we're going to get the lawyers involved. And I said, have any one of you downloaded any music from a torrent site? And they were like, no, of course not. And I was like, just do it. Just try it. A, it's really fun. And B, you can find everything. It's all for free, and I can find tracks on there that I've been trying to search for for ages anyway, and I'm finding them on there. And I said, the most important thing is I don't have to traipse down to my local record store and pick it up. I can just buy it, you know, get it here and there. I said you should do that. And I walked away from that that meeting thinking, you guys are missing a trick here because we're in we're in, like the music business, like any industry, is a service industry. We service. To, to customers we have customers and customers don't need to pick our, our brand they don't need to pick our thing you know they can go and do other things they can go mm. and buy clothes or they can go and play video games or watch tv or netflix whatever. they don't need to listen to music so we have to always remember that the customer is always right and the customer experience on torrent sites was really good and they didn't get that and 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 steve jobs did and steve jobs realized that the best things about you know the torrent sites were that you could find the music and you could find what yeah. you want and it was simple and you just you could put it together in playlists really easily and stuff like that and and that's where he took you know but the horrible thing about torrent sites was you were dealing with dodgy websites and and it was stealing and this is the thing it was stealing other people's stuff and i think in all of us we were all uncomfortable about that there's some mm-hmm. people that didn't care but i think most people don't like the idea if they're getting such a lot of joy and pleasure out of music you don't like stealing it from musicians right so what where we have now with the current system is really interesting because artists think that because they're paying 15 pounds it's not artists sorry consumers customers think that because they're paying 15 pounds a month for a spotify uh, account, or even getting it bundled in with their phone or something like that, they feel like they're contributing and they feel okay about that. But the reality is, is the structure of that system means that the very, very, you know, that the the most, the majority of the money is not going to the very people that actually make the music. So, for example, right, I'll give you some statistics, okay? 0.7% of all the artists on Spotify take 90% of all the revenues. Wow. Right? 0.7% of artists take 90% of all the revenues, right? So, and also in any given week, right, nine of the top 10 selling songs globally, right, stream songs, whatever, globally, are on either Universal, Warners, and Sony. Now, I think that's been the case for the past 15 years. Nine out of 10 songs. So do the, do the sums. Nine mm-hmm. out of 10 songs are on Majors. 0.7% of the artists on Spotify take 90% of the revenue. Where's all the revenue going? It's going to the majors, right? That's mm-hmm. where a lot of the majority of this money is going to the revenue, and that's when you hear, like you say, that's when you hear like the likes of Warner's or whatever. Now, why is it going to the majors? Why is it? Because they have this control. They have, like I said, they have a vice-like grip. So, where does that? The point I'm making is, is how do we work with that? Because Here's another thing, you know, it's like, I think it's something like 60% of all music that's listened to on streaming is, le- is over 10 years old, right? And mm-hmm. the majority of those catalogs are owned still by the major labels, okay? So how do we create a, a, a world for, for where does blockchain fit into all of this, right? So blockchain fits into this in two ways. First and foremost, we have to work with the current system we have to work with the likes of universal and warners and sony these people are not evil they're just businesses they're just businesses that work have worked on a, a structure for over, let's, over 100 years old that works on the basic concept of copyright and buying up copyright at an early stage and owning it for life of copyright not life of the artist or the person that wrote to it life of copyright now mm. most of those deals that were done in the last ten years, are not those deals, but that is historically what they did, and you know you can get slightly better deals, but the but the basic concept of a of a production a publishing deal or recording deal is still the same. In, in a recording deal. They, they will take somewhere between 80 and 90% of your earnings, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes 75%. Um,
1: That's a huge s- amount.
0: Yeah. That's a huge amount, isn't it? Yeah, huge amount. So they'll take that. They'll give you a bunch of money up front, but you can't get out of that deal. You, you are locked into that deal unless they terminate the deal. So mm-hmm. in, in theory, it's slavery. In theory, yeah. it's kind of a form of slavery, right? You can't get out of that deal, okay? You can come to an arrangement with the label, and they will drop you, you know but you've seen very famous you know examples of artists being tied into major label deals um most recently for not major i mean fortet was working with Domino, I think it was. But, you know, historically, George Michael had an issue with Sony. Yep. Prince had an issue with Warners, blah, 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 blah. So you've seen very high-profile concepts around this. You've seen issues around with, with Taylor Swift recently, where she's completely recorded, re-recorded her back catalogue because of the issues of being locked into contracts that she can't get out of. So this is what's like in recording. In publishing, it's slightly better. In publishing, they'll take uh, 30% of what around about 30%, sometimes a bit more, sometimes a bit less. They'll take 30% of your songs. Uh, Publishing is the song. So if I'm a songwriter, I write a song. Then there's a recording of that song, and then there are the performances incorporated in that recording. Those are the three royalty streams that generate an income from music usage. Uh, Music usage is the basic concept that if I make music in this room I'm in now, it has to travel somewhere. It will travel somewhere you know it will travel on radio it will travel on tv it will travel through streaming it will travel through gigs it will travel somewhere and when that travelling when that travel happens someone has to at the other end of that journey and you're, where that music is being used someone has to pay for that usage so if, for example, you're on, a, on Spotify and you're in, uh, I don't know, America and you're playing one of my songs, then money is generated by Spotify USA that goes down through a pipe of collection agencies that eventually get to me. Now, that collection mm. process can take upwards of two years. So where does blockchain fit in? Well, blockchain could help in that department, for example, because we know that instantaneous digital transactions, micropayments, for example, are possible, you know? So how do we get major labels incorporated into this? Well, as I said, technology adoption happens over a very long period of time. I think the first thing that we do is get people into the concept. And this is why NFTs are so important. NFTs are like a little scud missile that goes in, you know and is your first kind of experience with blockchain technology and mm. and as a consequence nfts can do things that actually and underpin structures, rather, that are already there. Marketing concepts, for example, that are already there. And as I said before, a unique digital asset can be applied to a lot of different things within the traditional music industry that are already there, that are already happening, you know. So the first and foremost we need to do is work with major labels and publishers to help bringing them on board in this in different ways. And that's one of the things we do at Token Tracks is we look at how we can help. Uh, major labels do it either through artists themselves and incorporating NFTs into a an artist's marketing plan around maybe a single or an album. We are um, chart accredited, so everything that gets released in Musically gets NFTed. On token tracks, goes towards your chart placing. This is hmm. this this is quite important because a lot of the charts are still very prevalent. And it's an acceptance by the wider industry that NFTs are here to stay, which I think is very, very important. So token tracks is, is chart accredited um and then one of the other things and so building building kind of artist kind of concepts and nft concepts around artist drops for example is one of the things that we do as a kind of advisory service or we drop them through through token tracks itself but also using tr- what we call track studio now track studio is basically our our protocol it's basically our all our technology that we have developed around tokenization around regulation, because regulation is important you mm-hmm. mentioned FTX earlier on uh, regulation is important uh, going forward, and we, we want we are, have a very much a long term vision about where this industry is going um, so regulation is very very important, and we will basically give it to any artist or all the way through to a major label or any company that works within music that utilizes music and will help to tokenize their their setup. It could be building a marketing place, a marketplace for themselves. Maybe they're an artist with loads of mates who would all, they'd also like to put out their mates NFTs kind of vibe, or it maybe it's a tokenization concept which they would like to incorporate within their membership schemes, that kind of thing. So that's the that's the first thing that we need to do and work on as a, as an industry is how do we bring on major labels in a sympathetic way. You know, if they feel like they're they're on cash cows at the moment, you know, they're making a shit ton of money out of the current system. There is no real reason to change this current system for them because they're doing really, really well. And actually, arguably, there's not really any reason to change the current system to listen to music, okay? I, as an artist, can make a track today. I can put it up on Spotify. You could be in a club in Hamburg and hear that track and shazam it and it says it's my track and you could send it to your mate paul in san francisco and say this is incredible have you heard this track and that could all happen literally in a couple of hours now that from a point of view of a consumer listener customer concept but also from a creator concept is incredible so the concept of listening to music is not really you can't really get much better than the current system we're in where it falls down on is remuneration because there's you know as i've explained the problems around getting the, the money for the usage of that traveling music you know that's where the problems lie so that's the first thing that we have to do is work on how to get the current system the traditional system on chain the second thing and this is the thing that i find more interesting is creating system two now system one concept revolves around me as an artist What's my, what's, what's my hope here? If nine out of 10 tracks that are top 10 singles of the, of the, in the last sort of 10 years are on a major, my, my goal is to try and get onto a major label because if I want to have a hit single around the world or, or, or even in my own territory, it's very unlikely I'm going to do it without being involved with a major label, right? Mm-hmm. So the only real path that I have is to find the manager. Hopefully that manager will get me some gigs, get some gigs, make some tracks. Hopefully they get picked up on TikTok or they pick up on insta or whatever social media and then hopefully a publishing company likes what i do likes my songs signs me as a writer and then they will help me all those things will help me to try and get a major deal and then even once i've got a major deal there's no guarantee that anything i put out on a major is going to be a hit but it will get more push because it's on a major that's the only path that's the only system that's available to me as an artist right now let's look at system two that this is the really exciting one so system two revolves around not caring about system one for your money, not using system one to generate income, but using system one to generate exposure and engagement. Your system two revolves around finding and segmenting and rewarding a key number of your fans. So when I go and play a gig, right? Let's say I play a gig in front of a hundred people, okay. After that gig, maybe five to ten of those people will come backstage, maybe more, will come backstage yeah. and they'll try and find me and they'll want to do selfies with me and they might want me—they, I might have some merch that they might buy. I might, they might want me to sign a, t, a CD or a, or a T-shirt or something. They might, they, those are people that are going to work for you, right? They're going to work mm-hmm. for you. Now, that's the way you look at them. We used, to, we used to think of them as fans. Oh, they're fans. They love what I do. But what NFTs and blockchain bring in is this new layer of concept, which is partners. And there's a there's a concept called A Thousand True Fans that was an article that was written by Kevin Kelly back in 2008 guy guy started wired. And his that uh, his whole concept was, right. Um, you, you, you don't need all these millions of likes, you don't need all these billions of streams, and all that kind of thing. What you need is a thousand true fans that are going to pay you a hundred bucks a year. They're going to pay, that's going to generate a hundred thousand dollars a year after your expenses, maybe that's 60 grand that you take home. And 60 grand is a, by far a living wage to most people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not much, but it's enough. And, you know, it puts food on the table and, uh, and 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 puts clothes on your kids back, like I said earlier. So, yep. So 60 grand is a kind of target, hundred grand, 60 grand is kind of target. So I, I and I think, I think to a degree that that was very much true. And now with web three and with blockchain and NFTs, I believe that, and I've taken this, I've actually written something up. You can find it on my my media, uh, token tracks medium channel, um, which is basically, I call it a hundred true partners. Now the difference between a fan and a partner is I as a fan it's a bit of a one-sided relationship. I can love some artists from afar and support them from afar. And I might get something in return, which is a bit of, you know, I might get the experience, the experience that of going to listen to their music or, or going to a gig or wearing their, their merch with pride. But there's not much else in it. But with NFTs, what you can do is you can build a partnership arrangement with somebody who you are basically saying, I have skin in the game on this. Um, and that, that's where I, you know, you, you, I, I as an as a NFT holder, I'm going to work hard to promote the artist because I've got skin in the game. And that's a really interesting concept. And what I believe is, is that if we can create this system too, or, you know, Web 3, I think, as some people are calling it. I'll call it System 2 around the music business. If we can create System 2 around the music business, what I hope will happen is that more kids that are coming into the the music world now will look and say, well, actually, I don't need System 1 because I can use System 1, but I don't need to end up signing to a major label, or or I don't really need to sign to anything because, actually, I can retain all my rights in System 2, but I can... I can trade and use my 100 true partners to generate a decent income. And more importantly from that, I can use that to build out a community of people that support what I do. And if, and and like my music, I'm perceived to like my music and help me, want to support my music. And actually, when you go and sign to a major label, they love that. They love that you've got a whole ready community already there that you've built up, whether it's online or whatever. And if, they, if you can say, look, I've got you know a, a million fans on Instagram, but I've got 200 NFT owners that are actively trading. And by the way, I just made those NFT holders a quarter of a million dollars just on NFT secondary sales alone, which, for example, Violetta the NFT artist that's out at yeah. the moment, one of probably one of the most uh, successful NFT music artists out there. If I can do that, then, you know, that's to a major label. That's exciting.
1: It's 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 really interesting to me to hear kind of the way you, you talk about these, these two systems operating almost alongside each other, right? It feels like this, this second system that you, you're describing is centered a lot around, I guess, ownership of that fan experience and advocacy and this like partnership that you talk about, and ultimately creating what feels like a secondary revenue stream that is probably a lot more reliable for, for musicians, artists. Um, but I guess in the in the short to medium term, what I'm, I'm hearing you're not necessarily saying is that System two is just immediately going to replace kind of the the current kind of system of how major labels are ultimately owning distribution and uh, and and the, and monetizing it that way. I, I think that's really interesting. The, the question I always have, and I guess that many people have, is when we look at some of the various, especially over the past twenty years, um, maybe arguably thirty years. Um, I I kind of grew up as in the the Napster generation, right? And I think that when you look at some of the more, the, the the technological innovations that happened in this past 30 years period, a lot of it, yeah, really, as you mentioned, benefited the consumer experience, but was largely at the expense of the creators them, themselves. And we've kind of got into this pattern where, yeah, like, I, I'm a huge music lover, I'm a vinyl collector, so I am one of those people that will probably go and yeah, I'll pay my Spotify subscription, but I want to support like the artist and I want a piece of kind of their the history of their work, so I'll pay that extra. I think I am very much in a minority there. And what I'm trying to get a better understanding of here is like, how do we go from uh, the the current kind of consumer experience of pay a very small amount and get access to everything anywhere immediately to eventually like this future state in the long long term where that system is completely overhauled and we're living in a a much different kind of space where creators are seeing a greater share of revenue they've got these additional revenue streams the connection between fans kind of almost goes full circle to back what it was prior to a lot of the tech boom that that happened How does all of this happen without ultimately consumers being required to spend significantly more on their, their music habits, I guess. Do do you see those two playing out?
0: I think it's a really fundamental question and, 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 you know, props to you for, for seeing that as being the key. I think this is the, this is the thing, right? When you, you, there are two things around music, and people I don't think realize this, maybe, but when I explain it, you'll, you'll absolutely know, oh, yeah, yeah, of course there is. There are two things around music. There's listening to music, okay? There's listening to music. Now, you may have music on your, you may have a Spotify account, you may have playlists that you make up, you, you know, whatever. Like, in your case, you buy vinyl. You're, vine, you know, you're listening to music. OK, and but what you don't realize is that music's there everywhere in everything we do. It's by, in films. It's behind TV shows that we're watching. It's you walk into a restaurant, you sit down, they're playing music, you walk into a shop, whatever, you know, they're playing music. Music is everywhere. You will get into a bloody lift, for Christ's sake. And this <laughs> right. right. So music is everywhere. That's listening to music. That's listening to music. And as I pointed out earlier, that concept around listening to music is pretty much solid it is quite difficult to take that listening experience and make it better than what it is right now. Mm. Um, then there is another thing around music that maybe you're less familiar with, but you are, for example, you're, you're across it. You mentioned yourself. Collecting, collecting music, whether it's on vinyl or whatever, you know, going to gigs, uh, having experiences with the artists. I mean, Adele's show last year in Hyde Park had five different tiers of ticket sales. Okay. Every single tier, you watched the gig, right? You watched the same gig, but you were that much closer to Adele. And I think the top tier even got you a, like a meet and greet or something for, you know, with Adele. or you know, So I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? There yeah. are collector's levels, and not everyone's going to pay the top level, but you build levels in. Now, these concepts are in the secondary part of music, are uh, what I call experiences. they experience. You know, people call it utility. I call it experiences. Right? Experiences are the thing that you can incorporate in that don't necessarily involve the listening experience. You can, you can incorporate listening experience. But why would you? Why would you want to stop everybody in the world listening to your music? You know, by putting it behind some gated gated area. I, yeah. I personally want everybody in the world to listen to my music. But I may want that choice. So I may want to be able to say to my gated NFT, 100 true partners, 100 true partners, I may want to say to them, I tell you what, I'm going to let you have a listen to this two weeks before everybody else gets to listen to it, right? Mm. You know, so you use these experiences, you package up these experiences and underpin them with NFT technology. And this leads me to the second point I'm going to make. Now, what's the difference between this and a Patreon or an OnlyFans experience, right? right? Nothing, nothing. There is no difference. The difference comes in what the technology can actually do going forward. So for example the ability to airdrop stuff the ability to geocentrically airdrop things so you happen to be in a gig for example and you own an nft and it says right as you own an nft here's a qr code in your digital wallet take this uh, to redeem a free t-shirt at the merch stand you know so mm. there are lots of different opportunities around that, or, uh, that 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 allow blockchains providence security transparency in order to be able to make that sp- that that scenario much more interesting and more fulfilling to both parties. But the main thing is this, right? The main thing is this, engagement is a va- has value. And what tokenized engagement does is gives you the ability to trade that value. So what you can't do with a Patreon subscription is trade it. I can't sell my Patreon subscription uh, at any point to someone else who might want it, okay? Now, factor that in as a concept into an NFT drop. There are only ever going to be 100 members of my fan club. That means every one of those 100 members suddenly has something of great value in it, right? And if I want to, I can create even more value. I could put, for example, the publishing rights of a couple of my songs into that NFT ownership. I could put a lifetime pass to any gig anywhere in the world. I could put... Ten free tickets to um, to my my headline tr- gig, including uh, flights and accommodation, in for, for Glastonbury. You know, I could mm. do all kinds of stuff into that. And because the providence and security and transparency of blockchain ensure this and enshrine it, it makes it much more of a enforceable uh, benefit. And of course, the most exciting thing is is the owners of those NFTs can trade this engagement so if you take an example of this right you you know we've gone from cds from from well vinyl c cassette cd uh you know downloads mp3s and now streaming okay every time we've gone through that alliteration it's got slightly cheaper the whole experience has got slightly cheaper cds you know had more songs on it but they were cheaper you know so we're at a point now where pretty much you can listen to music for free you have a spotify account or youtube account you can listen to music free yes of course you've got put up some ads but who cares about that but you can listen to music for free right from a creator point of view that is abhorrent imagine if you got your talent you know listened to for free and you couldn't do anything or your talent used for free it's horrible it's a horrible feeling you know it's a horrible yeah. feeling as a creative person to feel like we're just being given away. And, and we have, we've got nothing, to, we can't do anything about it. We don't set okay. our value through Spotify. We don't set our value through YouTube. It's done by other people. So what, what's the next obvious experience for the listener? If they're getting the music for free, the next obvious experience for the listener is they actually benefit from listening to the music. And how about this? They get paid for listening to music. They get paid for finding music early on that they think has a potential and they buy NFTs in it and they sit and they wait on them and they buy a number of NFTs. Maybe they trade one and they'd keep one. Maybe they, you know, they flip five, who knows? But they are traders and in exactly the same way as we have all fallen in love with crypto and our ability to buy tokens and look for tokens early on that we think might 10X or 20X or 100X or whatever, you can do this with music and this kind of concept i think is really really interesting because it basically allows anybody who likes music or has a feeling around music to 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 actually become a trader so you don't need to make music to make money out of music
1: i think it's a, i think it's really interesting i think it's one of the layers that both is is incredibly exciting and also incredibly confusing to many people that are kind of entering into the the space that are, are music lovers. But I think it's really exciting to see how all of this is developing. And I think for the 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 way that you've explained the the future evolution and the way that you see uh, NFTs, blockchain, and music coming together has been. Definitely one of the far better explanations that I have I have certainly seen and it's kind of left me feeling much more about of an understanding of the experience driven side to to this. I, I'm conscious of our, our time. I think we've probably got to wrap things up now. But Tommy, where can people learn a little bit more about what what you're doing and uh, and the importance of uh, music NFTs? yeah uh, i
0: mean the first thing is to come and check out token tracks so token tracks is a company that i formed as i said back in 20 at the end of 2020 2021 um, token tracks was initially the concept was a marketplace uh, and then as as more and more people came up with marketplaces it was like We started, we'd moved on. We were like, okay, we're a marketplace, but the marketplace is like the sandpit where everybody can kind of come and and play and artists can do drops. And, and, you know, literally all our drops that we've done, we've done one of ones, we've done additions, we've done a tiered membership schemes, we've done generative music and art. We're doing, um, this week we're dropping uh, something with Kwame. Um, mm. which is Kwame's an amazing music manager and what we're doing is actually tokenizing his time so the more NFTs you buy you can the more time you get with Kwame who will help you and and mentor you as an artist This is an incredible concept. So that's our marketplace. Our marketplace is a real sandpit of ideas, Um, and then as I said, we have an advisory service where we work with brands and we work with music artists to kind of come up with concepts around uh, about blockchain and and NFT concepts, and we work with majors on that. And then the third pillar, as I said, is Track Studio. Track Studio is a tokenized based around our tracks. Token our tracks token is available from Ascendix and Bitmar and also from ApeSwap um, and you can buy the tracks token and the tracks token is we believe the tracks token will become the Ethereum of the music business in the sense that we have developed a, a whole structure which is specific to artists and labels and media companies like radios or, or publishing companies or on like you know on online uh, platforms like say Lab Bible or whatever anybody that wants to tokenize what they are doing tokenizing engagement or create a market place for themselves. That's what you can do with Tracks Studio and the Tracks Token. Um, so that's the main thing I would do, is come to Token Tracks and check out what we're doing over there. In regards to me, um, you can find me on Twitter. My name is Tommy D or Tommy Danvers. Uh, if you just do a search for Tommy D on Google, I will pop up. Um, there are a couple of other Tommy Ds, but there was only one Tommy D. Um, and then, and then if, you, if you go to my Twitter feed, for example, or my Instagram feed, uh, or my Facebook feed, you will see all my LinkedIn feed, actually. That's the same link. Uh, there's a Koji link underneath link, like a link tree kind of thing. Koji link. If you click on that, you'll find a load of information about not only myself, but also what stuff that we're doing with Token Tracks, also what I'm doing with A28 Whiskey. But also, in there is an NFT resource. And it's a really, it's a Google Doc that I put together and I add to. If if I find an article that I think is prevalent and really interesting around music and NFTs, I stick it in there. There's also, I would suggest coming and checking out Twitter Spaces, because Twitter Spaces are a great place to find out, you know, like running, running commentary on what's going on i do a twitter space on mondays at 6 p.m uk time which i think is 1 p.m eastern time work it out from there or wherever you are Um, 6 p.m uk time we just talk about nfts and we talk about music and we talk about this interaction sometimes we talk mostly about music sometimes we talk about the current climate but it is more music art and uh, creative led Um, And then I get artists to come on and tell them and talk about their experiences with NFTs, but also their experiences in creativity and making music. It's a great little space. It's full of really, really cool
1: people. Um, And that's at 6 p.m. on UK time. We'll be tuning in, I'm sure. Tommy, thanks so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Matt, and good luck with everything and good luck to everybody out there. And just remember... Keep building, keep believing, because this space is fascinating and exciting, and nobody really knows. But there's, it's, it's, something's here. There's no two ways about it. Something is here. Couldn't agree more.